Acts chapter 1, we're going to be reading 12 through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 1, 12, chapter 1, 12 through 26. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness. Falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood, for it is written... In the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. Let another take his office. So one of the men who had accompanied us during all that time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forth two they put forward two. In other words, they're filling a spot for the twelfth disciple, replacing Judas. Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of the two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That would be making him number what? 12. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the acts that have been recorded. Lord, you were awesome and you were powerful. It's been shown to us in this book the mighty works and the wonderful works that the apostles have done as they set up the New Testament church, as they were partakers of that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Today, Lord, I pray that we would be able to see the importance of what they were actually doing while they waited. And let us understand that while we wait... There's a purpose for us. And we must fulfill that purpose. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for our families. We thank you for 
enabling us to meet in a cool place without persecution, to worship you freely. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Verses 1 through 11, uh, we went over on Wednesday night. Um, These verses are the account of the ascension, which Luke adds just a little bit more information to than he did in his gospel. That's verses 1 through 11. If you were not here on Wednesday night, then you missed that. And uh, you'll want to go back and read 1 through 11. The next thing that we see will be the 12th apostle chosen. We will see a a 10-day waiting period. We will see what they were doing during that waiting period. And we will truly see this work that they had to do before the Spirit of God come upon them. Verse 12, listen to what it says, and let's begin. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. The many witnesses of Christ's ascension do exactly what they are told to do. What were they told to do? What were they told to do? Go back and wait. Go back and wait, right? Did that mean go back and and literally just sit there? It did not. We're going to look at that later. Just bear with me. They were told exactly what to do to go back to Jerusalem to wait with expectancy to wait, understanding that the Lord was going to empower them from on high with the Holy Spirit, they were praying for this. He had revealed this to them and they were praying for this. They were to go back to Jerusalem to wait for the promise. The promise was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those gathered in the upper room. That was the promise. The promise was that the Holy Spirit would come and it would come with an abundancy. It would come and it would just overflow. Unlike unlike anything the world has ever seen, it was going to overflow. And it would go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. This is what the Scripture teaches us. And the starting of this pouring out or outpouring was to be uh, take place in that upper room where they were to go and where they were to wait. So there was a promise that was given by the, by the Lord that the Holy Spirit would come. And what was the purpose of the promise? What was the purpose of this promise? Turn back to Luke 24 and let's read it. The promise was given, but there's a purpose for it. There is a purpose with this promise. Luke 24, if you just turn back two books, and uh, it's the the very end of Luke. So if you find John, the beginning, turn back a page or two, and you'll see where I'm at. Luke 24, Listen to what 44 through 49 says. If you're with me today, please testify to that fact. Thank you, Martha. (laughs) If you're with me today, please testify to that fact. Amen. Luke 24, we have the promise, but here comes the purpose why the Holy Spirit was to be given. 
Listen to what it says in 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am singing the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The purpose was for them to be witnesses of Christ's resurrection. They were to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Then they were to go out to a lost and a dying world and preach the gospel by the Spirit of God to all people everywhere beginning in Jerusalem. This was the purpose. The promise that he was to send the Spirit. And we know that all of God's promises are what? Yes and amen. And so we understand that if he told us that he was going to send the Spirit back in the Old Testament, if he told us to go to the, if he told them to go to the city and wait in the New Testament, don't we believe that the Holy Spirit would then come? Yes. And so that's exactly what they do. They go and they wait for the promise to be poured out on them. And once that promise is poured out on them, the purpose for that was for them to be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Now the wait is on. The wait is on. We talked a little bit about this the other day. I don't like to wait. My children know that. My wife knows that. I don't like to wait. That's one thing that the Lord works on me on. They were told to wait. That's exactly what they do. Notice, however, while they waited, they did not sit on their thumbs. They did not sit on their thumbs. But rather they were busy about the Lord's work. Christ told them to go and to wait. And for ten days they waited. But for ten days they worked. Until the Spirit came. Luke tells us at the end of his gospel that they worshipped in the temple. They worshipped in the temple with great joy, continually blessing God. This is in that waiting period. So they didn't just cover up and go hide in a hole somewhere and say, Lord, I'm just going to wait for you to come. No, they were busy about doing their work. They were waiting, but they were worshiping. They were blessing God continually. They had great joy. These 120 people met collectively together in person despite the threats. And they worshiped. These men and women together collectively worshipped as one. They even met in the temple. Of course, it would have been in the outer courts. But they still showed their face and they met in the temple, in the outer courts of the temple. And they met and they praised and they worshipped and they prayed. They were not idle. 
They were not just waiting for the Spirit to come, laying on their bed saying, well, we know, we just need to wait. They did this with great joy. And they did it continually, blessing the Lord. And my heart hurts for the New Testament church today. That we have to be reminded, God's people, of the importance of gathering together. They gathered together in the outer courts, risking life and limb to worship the Lord, to praise Him, and to pray to Him, to lift Him up. And they were full of joy. They were full of joy. The importance of worshiping together. The importance of praying together. The importance of magnifying the Lord together. It is of great importance that the church of God meet together. How can the body function without a knee and without an elbow? The scripture is so clear on this that they were in one mind and one accord. And this is before the Spirit was given. While they waited, they worshipped. While they waited, they worked. And check out what happened as this took place. They did it with great joy. They did not do it begrudgingly. They did not do it because, oh, well, we got to. Can you imagine if the early church was like that? So many times our attitudes about serving and worshiping is, well, we got to go and do it. Right? It's true. Can you imagine if the early church was like that? Man... They did it with great joy, not begrudgingly, but because they wanted to bless the Lord and they were happy to do so. They were happy. Shouldn't this be a characteristic of a true child of God? Joy? I mean, I don't walk around with a crazy cheese smile on my face all the time. Sometimes I do. But I have a genuine joy. I do. Joy. Do you have that joy? Joy towards others and joy towards the Lord. Do you have it? Or is everything that we do for the church done begrudgingly and because we have to fill a box or check something? Pay attention to what I'm fixing to tell you. I told Casey the other day I get tired of hearing the word church. The term Church, because it's been so abused for so many years. Church or doing church has made people very cynical, has made people very jaded, and has made people plumb hateful for generations. And the reason why... 
is because they have made it about a building and a pew and an outside this and an inside that and a banking account and a time schedule and programs. We don't see any of that in the New Testament church, do we? None of it. I wonder today if we had to go sit in the heat, how many people would come to worship God and to fellowship with the saints? I wonder. It's not about buildings and it's not about pews. Getting out on time and how everything looks on the outside. That was the Pharisees' job. They worried about that. And we have to be very careful that we do not fall into the same attitude as children of God. When we look and examine ourselves against the early church, we will see just how, how much we fall short or how much we are alike them. The church, the true church... Are the people saved by the Lord? Saved by the Lord. Who come together to worship Him with joy and then to go out into the world with that same joy and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is gross and to a world that is full of sin and to a world that is bleeding with scabs all over to a world that is sick and disgusted. The job of the church is to come worship and to glorify and then to go out and testify. Do we understand that? Because what we're fixing to see is exactly that in the New Testament. But I want to ask you three questions. Do we have that joy? In your heart, your own heart, I want you to ask the question, do you have that joy there? Do we worship and bless the Lord? Do we share the good news of Jesus with actual, lost, gross, sin-filled people? Do we do it? Remember the Scripture teaches us that in, in Luke that we were to be witnesses of the resurrection. It wasn't just for the twelve super, super apostles... It wasn't just for the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. No, it was for the local church to be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and to tell about it until His return. See, there are so many that are waiting for His return, but in the process they're not doing anything, uh, anything for Him in that waiting period. The Scripture teaches us very clearly that for ten days they did not sit on their thumbs, but that they were very busy. They waited, and while they waited, they worshipped. And we will see more as we go through our text. Verse 13, And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Now we understand that this is probably where Jesus had previously met with them. Uh... In, in the midst of them where he appeared to them or, and also where the Last Supper uh, was given and the Lord's Supper was instituted. This is probably the same place. Most people agree on that. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I do agree with that as well. Uh, verse 13, it says, Peter and John 
James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Eleven apostles are gathered, and what were they doing? Verse 14, listen to the word of God. All these with one accord. What does that mean? Is it talking about a Honda car? Nope. What's it mean? With one accord. One mind. They had one one mind. One thing that I do like about Grace Baptist Church is that we have one mind. I truly believe that. When it comes to what we believe, when it comes to the doctrine of grace, when it comes to the articles of faith and how we do things and how we run things, I do believe that we are in one mind and that we are in agreement with each other. And I, I believe that's one reason why the church is still together. I believe that's one reason why there's no factions in the church. I believe that's one reason why there's no divisions in the church currently. It's because of that very reason. Listen to what it says though. All these with one accord. That's one mind in unity. Were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. While they waited, being of the same mind, what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. This was done with Jesus' brothers, his four half-brothers. Those disciples, those 70 disciples that were sent out. The 11 apostles, the women, and even his own mother. By the way, this is the last time she is mentioned in Scripture. Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is the last time, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But she did not, she did not ascend into glory uh, as, as something. She, she was a sinner saved by faith and her own son, uh, the king of glory. And I'll just leave that one alone for right now because we don't have to get into it. But Jesus' mother, Mary, and, and the apostles, they were all there in this upper room. This was a, what was going on? They were having a what? A prayer Meeting. Southern Baptists know what a prayer meeting is. Because most generally at prayer meetings, nobody shows up. It's true. We got eight or nine people, ten people show up to pray. Prayer meetings. From the time I was a kid, and you can say, well, Brother Matthew, you're browbeating us. No, I'm not. Listen to me. From the time I was a child, the term prayer meeting in the church was a time that you knew that the old fogies would gather together and they would sit there and you had to be quiet and lower your head and not say a word. True or not? True. But understand what was taking place here. They had a desire to serve the Lord. And so they were worshiping Him. But while they worshiped, they prayed. They prayed. They had a prayer meeting. This is one job of the Lord's church. And that is a call to prayer. This is a job that we are to do as the Lord's church. We are to pray. What we have to realize 
is this is a key part of God's work among His local assembly. What we also have to realize is that prayer is not easy. Sometimes it seems this is one of the hardest things that you could do is to turn your heart to the Lord and to speak to Him. Not exerting any energy at all. But understanding that we are sinners saved by grace, coming before a righteous God. And even though He tells us we can come boldly, at times it's hard for us to even raise our heads and look at Him. But the Scripture still tells us that we are to pray. Even in the Old Testament, it was key. Remember? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and eat, (laughs) pray, pray. So we looked at the promise, and we know all of God's promises are yes and amen. In this particular passage, it was the giving of the Holy Spirit. We looked at the purpose of the promise, which was to be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to preach the resurrection of Jesus, shown by preaching, shown by signs and wonders and miracles, and even the witness of the death of His saints. Even when they died, they died as witnesses of the resurrection preaching into their last breath next we will see the appointing of the twelfth apostle and this is going to be pretty quick uh, as as we move on listen to what it says in verse 15 through 20 in those days Peter stood up among the brothers they were getting their business done Peter stands up here among the brothers and he said to them The company of the persons was about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Now, the sisters were also there, but the brothers were going to be the ones that were going to be one that would would take the place of Judas and not a lady. And I I think we can see that pretty simply here in scripture. It says, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So Peter stands up and here he begins to preach. He begins to salute to them and wave to them and say, listen to me, listen to me. Scripture had to be fulfilled what was going to take place with Judas. And it happened. Now we have to fill his spot. And Peter here goes through uh, how terrible that was, what happened with Judas, how he was hung, but then uh, after falling over, he, he was burst into pieces just as he, hit the, as he hit the rocks below. Listen to what it says concerning this one that betrayed our Lord. Uh, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was lauded his share in this ministry. Now this man, who's he talking about? Judas, bought a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his bowels gushed out. Oh, the scripture's pretty graphic, isn't it? You don't need to watch a horror film to, to see graphic things. God's Word shows us graphic things because of the evilness of sin. 
truly how wicked somebody is. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness falling headlong. Let's not read that again. Verse 19, And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akel Damah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. These are Psalms relating directly to Judas. Verse 21, so one of the men who had accompanied so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Now what are they doing? They are fixing to pick someone to fill Judas's spot. But they know that there has to be certain requirements and they know that they cannot read the heart of man. So listen to what happens as they're doing the Lord's work. Remember, they were praying, they were worshiping, but also they were getting the church together. The church was here. It was was gathered. The outpouring had just not happened yet. And so they were getting their ducks in a row. They They were getting what they needed to get done, done, in order that when the Spirit did come, they would then be able to go out as a full team. You understand what I'm saying? They'd be able to go out on the field with with all the team instead of just some. So listen to what happens. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So they had to be someone that the Lord was with or they had to be someone that traveled with the disciples or with the apostles. uh, Beginning from beginning from the baptism of John in verse 22. uh, The baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. That's the requirement that they had to have. And witnesses, witness of the resurrection. These were the requirements that an apostle had to have. They had to be present for the three years of that ministry. From the time that John began to baptize to the time of the ascension, they had to be present to be an apostle. The Lord called these men. And we also know here that he's fixing to call another one. Beginning from the baptism of John 22 until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they also had to be a witness of the resurrection. Because remember, that's what they were charged to do. That's what the promise was going to do for them, was to give them the power that they needed in the Holy Spirit to go in to preach that promise full of the Holy Spirit. And so here we have the twelfth chosen And it says that they put forward two, two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and then Matthias, or Matthias, however you want to say it. So there's two men, obviously, that stood out to them, two men that were uh, well-known, two men that were very, very, very well, I mean, faithful to the Lord's cause, very faithful. And these two men were brought before them, but they also knew that in their own mind and in their own strength that they could not choose somebody for this position. They had to do something else. Listen to what God's Word says. And they prayed. You see that? And they prayed. They see these two, these, see these two men that are, that are full of 
of righteousness. Two men that are, that are holy. Two men that fit the description. Two men that fit the bill, but they didn't dare step into the place of appointing one of those apostles. So what did they do? They prayed. Listen to what happens. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So just as Jesus chose the 11 that are present, Jesus is fixing to choose the 12th. Did you hear the prayer? You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. The Lord chose the 12th apostle to take the place of Judas. Now, that's going to look a little funny as that plays out because they're going to cast lots to see which one the lot falls on, which is a pretty common practice. Listen to what it says. To take the place which Jesus, Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. This would have been according to who Jesus chose. The lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So they waited. But while they waited with high hopes and expectedly, guys... They worked. Their work consisted of prayer. It consisted of praise. And it consisted of order among the New Testament church. This is what they were doing as they waited for the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what does this show us? I'll tell you what it shows us. It shows us to stop staring into heaven, waiting for His return. But while we wait, we're to be doing something for Him. Plain and simple. As we wait for His return, we have high hopes, we have expectancy. And while we wait, we are to be witnesses to the lost. To the lost. We're to preach the resurrection. We're to pray. We're to praise. And we're to do this in unity with one body and one mind, all on the same page. All on the same page. This is what God has called us to do at Grace Baptist Church. He has called us to put Him as a priority. As we wait on His return and we know that it's drawing nigh, we know that it is soon, the world seems to be falling apart around us. As we wait on His return, we have to get our ducks in a row. Have to. We have to make sure that we are praising Him. We have to make sure that we are praying to Him. We have to make sure that we are witnesses of the resurrection to the lost that are around us. And this is what the Lord requires. This is what He required of the New Testament church. 
And we're going to see that go into a little bit more depth as we go through the book of Acts. And he still requires that of us today. Still. So, while we wait, what are you doing with yourself? While we wait. I want you to answer that question in your heart. Are you praising? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with others? There are some that possibly have been saved 30 and 40 years that have maybe never shared because they don't know how or are scared to. Or possibly they don't care. But it is obvious and it is clear from the Scripture that church is not about a building. It is not about a pew or a tree or anything else. It is about the preaching of the Word of God, praising Him, worshiping Him, praying to Him, and sharing the gospel to a lost and dying world. Amen. That's a hard message. It's very, very convicting. Yes. And so I want to challenge you with that today. Examine your heart and see where you fall in line with these 120. Are you found there with the 120 in that place, in that position of prayer and praise? Maybe the Lord's leading you into something. Maybe He's telling you that you need to do something. But you keep waiting. The time to act is now. While we wait for His return, the time to act is now. Let's pray.